Well, good evening, everybody. Thanks for tuning in again. Today, we got a driver uh, from the Pacific Northwest going to be joining us, Jace Habich, and uh, it's going to be a good catching up with him. He drove with us the first time at our shootout in 2022 in Mission, and uh, just looking forward to, to catching up with him and sort of seeing what he's, how his off-season's been. Of course, we got on Tony. He's going to be jumping on as well to help out with the interview, so I'm going to let him in. And then we'll wait for Jace to jump back in. There, let's let them both in there. Let's wait for the internet to catch up and see how it goes. Jace. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Waiting for Tony to jump on in here, and there he is as we uh, speak. Sweet. <laughs> So since we are recording this, we're recording this for a podcast as well. So why don't you two sort of introduce yourselves and uh, make it so the they'll know your voice when they're listening to it in the audio version only. Definitely, definitely looks like we're having an issue with Jace. Hopefully, you can uh, get him back in there. We need a technical director there. Um, yeah. So if you haven't caught it on by now, my name is Tony Conch, uh, Spec DTK, the voice of Spec D, the uh, uh, side instigator of Specty, the front left jackman for the uh, Specty Drift Series, many, many titles, uh, just uh, <laughs> basically a little bit of everything. Um, we don't really talk about it too much, but I actually started as a media person uh, down there being a human pylon and stuff like that, and uh, worked my way up to announcer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not quite that linear of a progression, but, uh, you know, a few stops along the way. <laughs> Excellent. There you go. All right, Jace, are you able to hear us there? Go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. And Can you hear me? We got you. I'm uh, Jace Havoc. I'm from Monroe, Washington, and I drive the bright yellow and black 240SX. It's got an LS under the hood. So I'm excited to come up to Canada this year and send it with you guys. Excellent. And I see you're sitting in a room with a bunch of trophies. Oh, yeah. Uh, get the trophy. Give a little bit. Yeah, well, you got to have the trophies in the background. I mean, it gives that uh, the credit to it. I mean, uh, why don't you give a little bit of background, uh, maybe some of your driving experience, obviously from Monroe. I think you're right across the street from the track, aren't you? Yeah, right across the street. So I've been driving at Evergreen a lot. This is uh, my third season competing in the Pro-Am over there. And finally took home uh, the big bounty trophy this season. That was pretty sweet. Um, and before that, what got me into drifting was when I was little, I started racing go-karts on the dirt from like age five to 12. And uh, ever since then, I've just been in love with going sideways and had to build a drift car. And so now we're out here competing, trying to get that pro spec license. Excellent. So when you came up last year, your car was all black, didn't have the uh, cool yellow vibrant livery on it. Um, a little bit about that car and uh, have you changed anything in the off season? Uh, yeah, we got it. Last year, it was kind of scabbed together. Hit the wall a couple times, had to learn the hard way. And then finally, we got it put together, got a nice wrap on it. And then this year in the off season, um, we did, I got new heads and a new intake and trying to make a little more power. So last year, I just had the 383 stroker in it. So it's trying to get it to breathe a little bit better and that makes just under 500 to the wheel now. So it's feeling pretty good. I'm excited. Excellent. 
Have you done any of the Baker upgrades as uh, Carlton's done with quick change or anything like that? Not yet. Next, hopefully next year we'll get a dog box and a quick change set up, and uh, then we can put down a little more power, run some more spray, put a little bigger shot in there, and see what it'll do. But I'm kind of on the conservative setup with the nitrous right now because I'm not trying to to blow up the T56. It's uh, there's a limit to those things, and I'm almost there. So hopefully she she lives this year. Yeah, exactly. You got to take it a little bit. Um, so a little bit of side side to it i think we probably bumped into you more in the off season uh at different uh, fd rounds seeing you crewing with uh one of the fd teams why don't you talk a little bit about that and maybe the experience that has given you and whether that's uh, uh ignited the fire or helped put it out running with an fd team yeah i've been crewing for taylor hole and first i crewed for rad dan a couple of rounds and then now i'm uh this year I was helping Taylor Hole, and last year I went to Irwindale with him, so that was cool. Um, it it definitely just gives you a new, like it's a different perspective. It like I get both sides of it. It's like I, I get more excited because I go there and it's just a bunch of dudes, you know, that we get up, do the same thing every day. We we all got to wake up and put our pants on and go out there. So it's not like anyone's there's nothing special about anyone that's running FD. They just have their program together and the funding. That's the big thing is that you got to have the right funding. It just costs so much uh, to go every round. So you got to get your sponsorships in order and all that. But it, it still, it adds to the fire. I like going and, and being submersed in that environment. You know, it's, uh, it's a cool experience, but it is, it's a whole nother league going to FD. So you got to have your stuff together. Right. Well, you're on a team there. I mean, been watching him quite, quite a bit. Uh, he has a YouTube channel, and I mean, he's fairly regular with the uploads, and they're always good behind the scenes kind of stuff. So, with all the experience there, um, what, maybe what are some of the things that you've learned that you want to stay away from, and maybe some things that you need to change in your own program? Um, I was, I was in my own program. I wanted to go to a supercharger, and then. We've had a little bit of issues with belts, and we're not the only team that has issues with belts. So that's kind of, you know, pushed me away from the supercharger. Maybe I don't know. At least you got to have your your setup dialed. There's no room for error with supercharger. Turbos seem to be a little more reliable, but then you got to handle the heat. So mm -hmm. superchargers create heat too, but it's just all. I think for now, I'm just going to stick with the nitrous. It works. Um, it doesn't create a bunch of heat. You know, you don't have to add a bigger radiator to cool the supercharger or to take the heat out of the motor from the, from the turbos. So it's, I think I'm just going to stick with the nitrous, but you got to have one thing I've learned about it is spares. Like you have to be able to rebuild anything. You got to plan for anything. If you fold it up in the front, wad the front of the car or hit the rear and wad the rear of the car, you got to have all the spare stuff. And spare parts, spare parts, spare parts, because you can't, you can't pay to go and you know commit to your sponsors and then get taken out if you bump the wall in practice or something. You got to have all the spare parts to to put the car back together in case anything happens. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a great experience. Uh, I think that you've had working with the team, and it seems to be just uh, um, like on another level. I think with with the amount of 
of downtime and maybe the pressure that they're putting on those motors. But I too have noticed that a lot that um, uh, the the amount of belts that are getting thrown off of these uh, cars. And it seems like it's not just uh, Taylor's problem. It seems to be going through Matt Field that the last round was having the same thing. Um, what do you think it is that's maybe sort of caused that lately? Because I don't remember seeing that in the years past so much, the problems with the superchargers and the belts. And um, I mean, you got to have your alignment perfect. And then like, if I had a supercharger, I'd change the belt every round just to be safe mm -hmm. um, because you can't. I think Matt Fields, he saw just like some fraying starting, and that could be, I don't know if they change the belt every round or not, but you got to start out with a new belt. You better have spares, and your alignment has to be perfect. If, if you know, the pulley's spacing is off on one way or the next, it's going to jump the pulley. Or uh, I know Taylor had a, he changed some of the setup with his tensioner bracket, and he was thinking that maybe that was flexing, so... You just got to look at everything and make sure the belt alignment is perfect. And I, I mean, I don't know if it's because we're, they, everyone just keeps going up in power, you know, so you're running different size pulleys and your bigger superchargers and the on off throttle maybe is when you, when the motor changes RPM, I wonder if that's flicking the belt off or they've, they've been watching it under the, um, on the GoPro, they set the GoPro up in the engine bay and kind of watch what it's doing mm -hmm. and then review that data and try to make it better. So I think it ha uh, belt alignment, it has a lot to do with it. And the RPM change in drifting maybe isn't um, ideal for the, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, for the belt, belt driven supercharger. Maybe uh, like my dad was talking about uh, in drag racing, they have the, um, they have, it's like a crankshaft driven supercharger and they have gears that drive right off the crankshaft but there needs to be some r&d to see if those will cross over and work with drifting yeah i think that's maybe part of it because you don't see so much in the drag world where the belts are slipping off or something like that so much but it's pretty much their full throttle and not doing it does the alignment change on the belts as the uh, rpm changes like you know there's always talk about you know motor growth as it heats up does that change through the rpm range um i don't mean maybe that plays a role but that's i'm just talking about like you know you have your belt and the belt tensioner is bolted to the head and every head is a little bit different spaced and right. the change pulleys sometimes the pulleys are different depths so um i know i was talking to the Sorensen's team and they have like a laser setup that they purchased and you set that up on the motor and sight a laser down the front of the block and make sure all the pulleys are perfectly in line with each other mm. But maybe that is something that um, the block swelling and stuff also plays a role. You probably want to check it when it's cold and check it when it's hot and see if there's any any difference. Yeah, I'm just always fascinated by the uh, behind-the-scenes type of stuff that goes on at big events like that. I mean, it seems to be such a scramble. I mean, we saw you at Irwindale, and, you know, you guys were very busy uh, working as a crew on the car. But yeah. that's sort of... That's a beautiful part about drifting. And, you know, one thing that Formula Drift hasn't got away from was letting all the fans into the pit area. And that's like for all of us motorhead guys, that's exactly what we want to see, how it all works, how it all goes together and stuff like that. And um, so with your help on the team, is that really, is that something that you wanted to do 
to maybe just set your program up as you, you know, look forward to going into ProSpec? Is it something you want to have that background and the knowledge from? Yeah, as soon as I, as soon as the opportunity came available, I was like, yeah, I got to jump. I got to go. I got to, you got to get submersed in the, in the next level, right. take as many as you can, just be a sponge, absorb all the data and then bring it back. And like, we've been with my crew this in the off season, like I've been practicing certain five minute timeout things where I saw other teams fail at the pro level. I'm like, okay, we can't do that. We got to practice our five minutes. We need these spare parts and it just helps you learn, um, see what the other guys are doing see if maybe you can come up with a way to do it a little bit better and just go from there. But it's like, uh, what pops into my mind is when RTR was trying to swap, I think it was Vaughn Gittin's subframe. Um, yeah. And they don't, you know, if something bends significant in the rear end, they don't just change the lower control arm. It's too much time. They just take the whole subframe out and put a whole new subframe in. Bam. Like that seems crazy to me, but then you think about it all, oh, it's less bolts and less setup. The whole, they can just pop it out and pop it in. It's like four bolts drop subframe after the, the drive line and the shocks and brake lines are disconnected. But you can put quick connects on those and make it easier and you can, you know, make, make sure that your team's dialed and ready to go in a situation like that. So it's just cool to, to come up with new ideas of, of how to fix, you know, broken suspension and stuff like that. Definitely. Yeah. that Yeah. It's on a different level, I think for sure those guys, but uh, it is, it's a, it's a smart way to do it. If they can have a complete separate subframe ready to go, it's all aligned exactly how the, they want it for the track and, I think that's maybe the key with those teams is they're aligning even their spare parts for the setup that they have on the track. So they know when they make an adjustment on a car with the lower control arm or let's say something, they're also doing it on the spares that are going to go on that car in case of an accident or something. I'm going to let Tony jump in there and uh, ask you a little bit of questions and go ahead, Tony. Yeah, man. Hey, Jace, how's it going? Yeah. Um, Hey, got to shout it out, brother. You know, fellow fellow S13 drifter. It's uh, becoming a bit of a classic car like the Corolla has before it. You know, we uh, I don't think there's any S13s right now in pro uh, spec or sorry, pro formula drift. I think maybe a few in pro too. Um, my question based around the S13, you know, how much further do you plan to go with that chassis and why have you stuck with it this far? Uh, um, I mean, I like the car. It's always been... You know, that's the drift car, the 240 or one of them. There's a lot of different ones, but I felt well, uh, early on. So that's got to be the one. Um, but, that you know, like you say, there's a, there's no, yeah, there's no 240s in Pro 1. In Pro 2, there's a few, but it's the BMWs and the Corvettes are, you know, they're fast. Mm -hmm. It's hard mm -hmm. to get that chassis. That's what I, I've talked to the guys. Uh, I talked to Travis Reeder and I, you know, if you were to build a car again, you know what what would you do and he's ah oh, it's corvette or or e46 basically so those cars are just fast i don't know what it is exactly about the rear suspension that's so much better i mean i my buddy has one but it's it's all stock back there and we're stock motor so it's not like we've got to play around with the grip with a bunch of high horsepower but uh yeah i i'd like to stick with the 240 just because that's my car i have all those spare parts i have uh lots of I made molds for my quarter panels so I can pop quarters now easy and but I don't know if we can if we can make it competitive sure we'll we'll just keep going to pro one if we go that far with it but I think 
by the when you're at that level it's probably time to to redo the car there's already so many things that I, I know we can make better on my car and at some point you know you get you get to a spot where it's better to just start over and and try again but i'm not there yet so i definitely would like to take the s13 to pro uh two because i've had this car since i was in high school so that'd be cool to see it go to the to the pro level and that's the whole reason why we built it um, it just took a little bit longer than <laughs> for sure but uh, uh if if i do rebuild i'll probably go with the e46 because that seems to be like the Sorensons are running the e46 chassis just with their body kit on it uh hearst you know, he's competitive e46 um trent beecham e46 i mean there's a gob of them uh, mm -hmm. he just moved up um uh, it's orange. What's his name? I'm in a brain fart right now, but uh, Thorne. Thorne. Yeah. Robert Thorne. Yeah. He's yeah. real competitive E46 and he knows his way around chassis. He's been in road racing for a long time. And it seems like a lot of the new chassis that are coming out to either E46 Corvette. So unless you have all the money and you can do a brand new Mustang like the RTR guys, but I'm not there yet. So. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. The, so, the uh, F16 that uh, Nissan themselves is too afraid to build. Um, what I wanted to ask too, just in, you know, obviously big S13 fan, big T40 fan here as well. Um, what do you see the future? Like, are we at the end of the like natural development of the S13, uh, specifically is like, is this as fast as we can make it go chassis wise, you think? Uh, I mean, it, it all depends on the rule book, you know, mm -hmm. they don't, they don't allow certain things like I, I'd like to, to see if you can put a like a S14 or S15 subframe in the car which I mean I know it's possible but the rule book you know they don't allow that it's got to be the same make and year as a car so it's it's just playing the rule book I'm sure that there's I haven't tried other brand other like I haven't tried Wisefab I've just driven on GK Tech stuff and I mean it's fast and they're uh, they correct all the the suspension stuff that is bad about the chassis that doesn't make it go fast in drifting and they correct all that so i'd like i haven't put the rear grip kit from gk tech i just have their lowers so i'd like to see what the drop knuckle does and how much grip mm -hmm. i get from that mm -hmm. and changing i know i can put better shocks on my car but for like there's a few more things that i can do to mine and make it go faster i just haven't got there yet but those so there's just something about those BMWs with the with the trailing arm suspension that is really fast. So it it comes to a point where yeah, you might have to go to a new chassis with with the S13. But I still have a little more to do. Yeah, well, I'll uh, I'll be personally cheering for you to see it all the way into Pro too. Uh, more S13s, the better. I mean, I remember. Uh, Takeono, I think, was the last Corolla in Formula Drift, and it was a sad day to see it go. Um, but it it hung on there for a while. But I think you are right. I think with the you know how much stuff is out there for the E46, the Corvette coming in, Mustangs getting cheaper and cheaper in pricing. You know, it's probably not too far fetched to think within the next five years we're gonna say goodbye to the S13 entirely, and then probably the S14 uh, along with it. I would love to see those stay, but you know, if it's going the way S13 has, I don't think it's going to stick around a lot longer. But uh, now being said, you know, if you were to, let's just pretend for a second that S13s were available and you can actually find one, 
someone starting drifting, would you recommend the S13 just due to the inherent simplicity of it? Uh, no, because I'm tired of seeing a lot of that. <laughs> I, have, Fair enough. I have a couple that have been wadded and they, you know, deemed unfixable, but you can fix it. It's just how much time yeah. and money you want to do. Yep. <laughs> I, if you're learning, I'd say go get a, it depends on where you're going to go. If you're trying to like go through grassroots real quick and go to pro-am, I'd say grab a Corvette. It's already got all the power. They're expensive. Mm -hmm. You're going to spend all that trying to go fast in a S13, 14, BMW, whatever you buy. Um, if you're trying to stay, you know, just go have fun, go get a 350Z or a, or a E46. They're both re relatively cheap, and they have all the aftermarket parts now, and they have enough power stock to, like, get you through that level of drifting. And then you can motor swap it to whatever you like and, and go to a higher level if that's what you decide to do. But I got my, my good buddy Alex is driving an E46, and he rips it hasn't had a lot of issues it's fast and now my crew guys just all three of them went in and bought e46 and those chassis oh, are, they're <laughs> readily available they go fast out of the box and you can put a cheap angle kit on it and just send it and buy tires so i i'd say you know starting out go buy a 350z or a frs or something like that i guess if you're carlton you can go get a mustang those are cheap if you're funny <laughs> <laughs> but it, to be fair, he did pretty cool with his. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> his. I love that car. Yeah, that's, that's cheap. That's, cheap with a big motor, big angle kit, uh, fancy diff, and uh, they probably, they have <laughs> they they have a backyard five zero that's that's cheap cheaper than Carlton's. But yeah, Carlton's is sweet. That's a good car. Right on, right on. So I got one uh, more question before I throw you back over to Sean here. Um, so you're coming out for all three rounds of spec D. Obviously you've been acquainted with mission. I've actually just gone back and watched the replay of the event. I have to watch it on mute. I can't watch. I can't listen to myself. It's, it's horrible. So sorry for everybody watching and on the podcast, just deal with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you check out, uh, one of our hot guns, man, uh, Jesse Legault, uh, in mission competition. I mean, he always goes well there. Uh, does, being able to beat one of like the mainstays in our series fill you with a certain degree of confidence coming into the whole series? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess a little bit. I, I would have liked to battle him. I would have liked that battle to be a, a different outcome. I would like, I wish we both would have ran a clean line. Um, I think we both made a little bit of mistakes. I just made less mistakes. So I would feel better about that battle if it was totally clean, but um, I'm really, I have some confidence go, coming up there, but it's, those guys drive their, their shredders, the Canadian guys get down. So I'm, I'm mainly excited for the new track. Um, I love coming, like, that was the most fun about going to mission is it's a totally new track. You got to learn the track and, and then go out there and do your best. So that's what I'm excited. It's just new. I've been driving evergreen my whole my whole drifting career so i'm ready to to try some new tracks and see what happens awesome 
Awesome, man. Well, we're we're excited to have you for June 10th, round one at Stratotech. And if I could offer you any advice as a fellow S13 driver there is, you know, make sure that cooling system is bang on and bring more tires than you think you need. It's a very adhesive surface, but uh, man, it grips up and goes fast real quick. Sweet. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, I think, I think you're going to like it. Um, obviously, the first year that you came out, we were at Mission Raceway and we were all running a new track. The track at Mission uh, that we ran last year is is definitely challenging. I think that was probably one of the, the hardest tracks that we put together and, and just the layout with that long transition in it. Mm -hmm. But what we really like about Stratotech is the, the track that we've laid out there is just an amazing one. It flows really good, like, likes a ton of throttle, and um, I don't know, just connects good and has a lot of... Uh, that your who's whose puppy is that? Tony, is that your dog there? That's my dog. <laughs> Quit. There you go. Unless, unless the cats have taken up barking. No, that's it's on me. There you go. <laughs> He's the no, the, the door alarms here. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the best kind of protection you can have is the dog there anyway. Uh but yeah, no, the track is really good and I think it flows nice and uh amazing for tandem. Um I think that's going to be the, the best part of it is uh, just the way that it flows out and finishes right in front of the crowd. Uh, we like that. We like that track a lot. Have you had a chance to play it on a Seto or do you oh, yeah. do any sim racing? Oh yeah. I've been driving it. I was like, where's the setup? What's the course? What I downloaded one Stratotech track and I was like, this doesn't look anything like the videos. And <laughs> oh no, I got the wrong one. Okay. So I've been playing around with that. It's that tracks. It's going to be fun to, at least I think I'm running it the correct way, but I like running that track. It's sweet. Excellent. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's really good. We, we run that, we tested it here uh, probably two, three weeks ago and the, and the layout is good. It flows nice and doesn't really, you know, nice to have a big wide line on it and just awesome for awesome for tandem. And I think what's sort of interesting too this year with the uh, driver lineup, when I look through the list, we probably have four or five drivers that are just sort of rookies coming into it. So it should be a good learning experience for everybody going into it and a bunch of new drivers that haven't maybe been up in the past. Um, so a little bit about the crew that you got coming up. Why don't you tell us who you sort of travel with, how many crew members you're coming and uh, sort of the plans for, for the trip. Um, we got, I usually have about four or five guys that come down, um, on a weekly basis and we work on the car and practice five minutes and we've been working all winter trying to dial in the whole the whole program but coming up to canada i have uh my mom and my dad are coming and my grandma and grandpa family's coming up and then i have uh my buddy jade and eddie and uh his drawing i know it's just jade and eddie and myself we're riding up together driving and then uh alex is flying in and and uh, Eddie's girlfriend Andrea's coming in so I got a big crew coming with me to help and we're gonna mob up there uh, where I think we're leaving Thursday in the afternoon next week and drive up I think it's about it'll probably it says 13 hours but it'll probably take like 15 or 16 yeah fuel stop so it's a it's a mob to get up there, but it, it should be fun. It'd be a good test of everything, you know, if you're trying to go pro spec, you better be able to drive across the country and get there. So 
I'm excited about that. And what do we have? We're staying, I think we're staying in a hotel, like a couple, 10 minutes or so from the track. So it's pretty close. Right. Yeah. So you're staying right in Fort Saskatchewan there. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. Did And I sent out an email sort of just giving the highlights of around the, the area and sort of tracks and, or uh, shops and some parts supply stores that'll give guys a, a bit of a hand on it just in case. We've all been there. We're, we're in a new town and we don't necessarily know where to pick up uh, something simple or even like an oil cooler or something that we may have a, a failure on. So tried to add that into the uh, driver's package and hopefully it works out well. Um, now, so you talked a little bit about sort of how invested you are in that S13. And I think maybe that's something that a lot of people that are coming into the sport don't necessarily realize is that basically you have your car that um, is is ready to go full competition spec, but then you basically have, you know, an entire, you know, drive, drive line for it as well. That's bears and suspension points and, just about everything that you can think of you have as spares. So by the time that you get so invested in it, is that maybe what keeps a lot of drivers back from making a switch in a chassis? I don't, like for myself, we're so invested in like the FD and the RX-7 type stuff that, you know, for us even to switch uh, to a new platform or something, it's, it's a huge investment of, you know, all the spares that you've acquired over the years. Yeah that's that's definitely uh that's part of it like I, I have my we made my first angle kit my dad and i made it you know 10 years ago when they didn't have wise fab was the only that's the only kit you could buy and we were yeah. like oh, much okay let's just make something and he's been building race cars my whole life so i have the sweet custom angle kit and that's just on the shelf it's spares but it's like what am i gonna do with that and then i got cars outside to bolt them on so it's like okay we <laughs> And then, yeah, I've got spare fronts and spare rears and spare drive lines and all that stuff. So it, it definitely is a big investment, but, you know, race cars cost money. So, but yeah, once you, like, it's hard for me to just step away from the car. I've put all this, like, it's 12, almost 13 years now of building this car and new, uh, you know, every winter we revamp it and change this and change that. But you're always, it's constant evolution of the chassis. There's... Uh, now next year it's like okay it's almost time to rewire the chassis and start over with that and to make it fd legal we got to do some changes to the cage so we've already gone down the road of ah oh, we should just start over but it's it's hard i have spare body parts and molds to make body parts and tail lights and suspension mm -hmm. tie rods and all that so yeah it it's definitely hard just to say oh we're done and what go drive it around at, at a play day it's not a play day car it's you know, it costs a lot of money to go to the track and tires and gas and all that. And I'm running 50-50 mix now, av gas and pump gas. So you got to go get fancy fuel and all this stuff. So all of it's the whole circle. And then you change one thing on the car and it affects the other thing. And so, yeah, lots of development, lots of spare parts. Hard to step away from that. Yeah, for sure. But I think also it's maybe it's it's a wise thing, the car that you driven all the way through even up to this level uh you're so familiar with the car you know exactly what it's going to do when you grab the e-brake here or when you roll into throttle it's not maybe you know when you're looking at taking that step into uh pro spec that's the car you know definitely to take because that's one less thing that you're learning 
you know, mm-hmm. you're already learning how the flow of FD runs um, and adding a new car or a new chassis into that where maybe you don't have all of the spares is uh, an added challenge that makes, you know, I guess we can be honest, there's been a lot of people that have a failure going into their first year in prospect just because the, everything is new from, you know, new tracks to a new car to, you know, new team members, new spares, everything like that. So I like the idea of keeping the car and, you know, definitely the S chassis is, is a hundred percent, you know, competitive. You, we were, you just see them dominate for, for so many years that I don't think they got that much outclassed by a BMW yet either. Um, Yeah. They're, it's still a fine line. Like I think, I think we can make it faster hopefully fast enough to keep up with a BMW, but I don't know you. That's part of the stuff that you got to learn, you know, going to the next level is like, is it actually going to work? Mm-hmm. You can test as much as you, as you want and you can dial it in. But if you don't have a FD driver to go drive with and say, Oh yeah, I can catch him. Then you're not going to know if it's fast enough or if it works well enough to keep up with the pros. Yeah. I think that's, probably the best test of it is in a competitive situation because you know everyone that is out there is driving as hard as they can and trying to go as fast as they can and grip up as much as they can um so a little bit about uh uh you're one of the few u.s drivers that's come up and crossed canada uh across the border into canada with the full trailer of race car parts um and I think that's sort of been, we've been talking to a few other drivers and that's been a concern of theirs is maybe making the cross into Canada. Can you maybe sort of share a little bit about how that was the first time when you crossed up to, to drive up here? Um, yeah, it, I was scared because I, you know, you got, you're bringing fuel, tires, parts, car, and then like the trailer's not in my name. And so you got to get a note. So in case they want to look at that, oh, yeah, I have permission to use this trailer mm-hmm. and it's my truck and here's all my paperwork. But uh, I was really mostly concerned about bringing the nitrous. But there's a you just print off a form like there's it's just on the label, basically, but you can print it out and make it easier. And it just explains, you know, what the gas is and what cylinder it's supposed to be in. And um, you just got to you can go online and read what they want. Um, on the board or yeah on the crossing you know read what what you need to have and what paperwork so that made it easier but it they didn't give us any trouble both ways it was easy it's like here's your paperwork the guy who looked in the trailer okay cool that's it came he just what he wanted to check the vin of my car to the vin you know to make sure that it wasn't stolen or anything and that was it so it, i was really concerned and it's not that big of a deal so I didn't go to the main border crossing. I went to the the truck crossing. It's a little bit smaller, yeah. and um, I guess that one's better. But I've heard of people going through the main one and having no issues. So it just kind of – I think it depends on uh, who you get and how the day of your border crossing agent went, basically, <laughs> if he wants to be – if he wants to – pick pick apart your car he's gonna or if you give him a reason yeah to, don't be yeah exactly I, don't act all nervous and like you're hiding anything and just be nice you know yeah and have everything printed if you have all that paperwork printed out i think that does yeah. go a long way too yeah if you're we've crossed quite a few times in the same thing have all the paperwork in order and yeah you know for canadians crossing into the states it's way easier i think they're just like 
welcome to freedom. Have a good time and enjoy it. You know, you can pick up your gun at the first uh, truck stop just inside Montana. <laughs> yeah. And then gamble at it too. Sweet. And gamble at it. Yeah. No, it's pretty good. But no, it's a, a lot of people have uh, questions on that and they say, is it hard to cross? And so far we haven't had anybody that sort of had a hard time with it. You know, they know what you're coming for and, uh, and uh, always have the registration there that you, you know, you're coming up to a real event and they pretty much let you go and have a good time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. get your paperwork in order and have it in the truck. So you don't have to get out and get in the trailer. Just have it, get a folder have your event stuff and any of the gas or nitrous or welding gas, whatever, just go above and beyond and have the paperwork ready to go. And we, even, we called him, my buddy Alex called him last time and talked to the guy and at, you know, we're bringing nitrous. What do you want? So mm -hmm. if you have any, call them and ask them, they'll tell you. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. I know it, um, nitrous isn't as hard to source in, in Edmonton, but whatever your race mix that you have going on, uh, for your race gas, make sure you bring lots of that because I can't guarantee that you'll find the same thing here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm trying to be self-sufficient. I'm not trying to have to fill bottles or go get fuel or anything. I'm trying to bring it all so we're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. The local people seem like it's not a big deal, but I've always found whenever we go to a, to a far off event, going to do something simple like that seems to take hours and hours. Yeah. And it, it can blow a full day of, of your time, especially if you're coming on sort of a tight, a tight schedule. So that should put you into probably up to the track there Friday afternoon, which should be great. Trying to make it for the load in window between three and nine. So excellent or, or nine or something, whenever it is. So we're, we're pretty much out there all day long, but setting stuff up. So I think it should be great. Tony, I know he's got some rapid fire questions he wants to throw at you and then we'll let you uh, take off and finish up the prep for your car. Sweet. So I wanna open with some good news. Uh, just uh, in the sidelines here, been just looking up uh, Formula Drift champions and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> there's only actually been one BMW that has been the champion. Of course, that's Mike Lessa in 2013. And you know what? To that credit, though, there's only been one S13. And, of course, that was uh, Diosha Har's amazing run there in 2001 with the S13. Yeah. Uh, but it, it looks more grim in pro spec. It has been won by an E46 the last uh, three years. So that's where we'll stop talking about that and move on to the rapid-fire questions. <laughs> right on. So. If you're, you know, new to the podcast, new to new to how this works, basically, we ask our, I guess, contestants or interviewees, uh, just to clear your mind, uh, you know, answer these honestly and as quick as possible. Uh, they're meant to just be fun. Don't take it too serious. You know, it's all just fun. It's just drifting. Um, all right, man. You ready to go? Oh, ready. All right, man. Most expensive part? Uh, uh, yeah, the motor. Okay. Most expensive part broken? Uh. Gauges, the electronic spec gauges. Costly, but you know what? It's probably one of the cheaper items that have been uh, mentioned. Some guys have been real sad about that one. <laughs> uh, dream car, dream motor setup. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, S15 with a, with a LS in it, just because it'll cause a bunch of heat. Yeah, Oh, we like it. We'll, we'll give you half a, an approval mark for that. Okay. <laughs> uh, dream battle. If you could battle anybody in the world, who would it be? Um, probably Chelsea. 
Got it. Probably the most common answer. Right. Yeah, or out of that, uh, oh, the HGK guy. I can never pronounce Chris, it. Uh, Christoph. Yeah, Christoph. <laughs> yeah. He drives like That'd be a pretty wild one. Him, too. Right on, man. Uh, hero driver, someone you look up to just in the world, and a uh, good chance to shout out someone locally you look up to. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Any of the guys from Monroe that go to the to prospect the next level, so like Dylan Hughes, Travis Reeder, um, Walker Wilkerson, he's not driving FD anymore. Oh, oh you name, nice. Uh, when I was building my car, it was all Walker Wilkerson and uh, and Ryan Turk. I watched a lot of his videos. So a lot of inspiration from those guys. Can't nice. forget about Kemp. Always looking forward to his videos. R.I.P. You know, he was uh, he was definitely a legend in the motorsports world. Yep. Yeah, man. Good with that, man. Um, easiest battle you've ever had? Uh, oh. Hmm. I don't know. I don't have, have an easy battle. I don't like them. I try to forget about those. All right. <laughs> I like nice. that. Uh, hard battles are way more fun. I like battle and frank i guess the last battle of the big bounty he was in the death cart which is it was like an m3 with a cage on it he drives really crazy but it, it was in the rain i'm like all right pretty sure i got this and i won no big deal um what i th think it would have been easier in the dry but it was still fun in the wet nice man it's a pretty conservative answer and you know call back to earlier something you said to i don't think you're allowed to say you're conservative with nitrous you know i think the points kind of contradict themselves <laughs> it just goes crazy at that point and then finally to wrap these up man uh bucket list events and a bucket list track you'd like to drive at oh i want to go to uh i definitely want bucket list was a going to abyssu but you know the earthquake kind of messed that up i still like to go run the other course but mm -hmm. i want to jump and the mayhem i want to go drive that that course the event bucket list events probably like any of the matsuris in japan i don't care where or like uh, a midnight run up the mountain road that'd be pretty sweet that would be pretty It'd be really cool to see it, like, you know, right at the birthplace, see where it's all come. But, uh, yeah. you know, opportunity, few of us will be afforded. But that, that's okay. That's okay. And, uh, well, that wraps up the quick questions, man. I think you actually have answered the quickest, too. So um, I don't know if we have a trophy for that. But uh, we can check the use section of the local Valley Village here to see if we can come up with, like, a cool bowling ball trophy for you or something. That's great. I probably should get some grass seed if I'm coming back up to camp. <laughs> Grass. You know what? Bring it with you. We're gonna we're gonna need it June 11th. Grass, <laughs> grass seed and uh, and clipping points. I, I, listen, I bought all brand new clipping points just for you guys. Okay. Um, so it should be amazing. And I I was looking all day for the one picture that I had saved of you with the clipping point wrapped around the rear quarter panel of your car. I couldn't find it. I was gonna use that as a thumbnail for this, but uh, we'll get it. We'll get it. Um, no, I mean that aggressive driving is what we like. I like the uh, the hard charging of it. Uh, the track definitely mission was was challenging, and you weren't the only person going off off track and yeah. hitting the dirt a little bit. That, this that, next one is a lot better. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the new layouts. They're a lot of fun on the set of courses, so I'm excited to see them in in real life in the real car and see how that feels. So it'll be fun. Excellent. 
Excellent. Yeah, one thing I was going to bring up too is like if you watch some of the FD stuff lately with Atlanta, you know, we got Forrest Wayne coming back, and typically you look at his car, it's stanced out fairly good, always big wide wheels and stuff like that. But when you look at from the live stream when he's uh, paired up in Atlanta next to any of the sort of modern day cars, it looks very, very small next to one of those big Mustangs. It just looks like it's really narrow and a tiny car compared to those those new ones that uh, everyone seems to be driving. Um, do you notice that? Uh, like, you're one of the people that I think that we've had on that has that behind the scenes experience at FD and going through the pits and seeing all that. Is in the pro level, do you find that the newer cars are the ones that, you know, are the most competitive or is it still, you know, a lot up just to the driver and the setup? Um, yeah, I mean, the new, the newer cars are usually like in a, like the RTR cars are all new. Papadakis's cars, they're all new, but any like kind of privateer team, they're not running new cars. They got different funding. So it just depends. I mean, I, they're not, not unbeatable. So, yeah. but yeah, Cars seem to have a wider track width and, you know, then the, that's, that helps dial in grip and, and better handling in certain aspects. But I mean, those little, the Scion FRS or the 8.6 BRZ, whatever you want to call it, those things, you know, Kazuya is ripping. And so is the new, uh, uh, Di is it Diego Paiga? Diego, Paiga? yeah. However you pronounce his last name. He... He's ripping, and that's not, you know, it's a newer chassis, but it's small. It's a small chassis, yeah. not yeah. real crazy wide or anything. So, and like, I mean, look at Ryan Turk's car, that little Corolla he's driving now. It's kind of wide, but it's so short and mm -hmm. making it work. So you can make it, you can make basically any, can't say any chassis, because like, oh, then that's 13 is fine. It should make it to Pro 1. But there's, for the most <laughs> part, you're able to make anything fast. Yeah. Uh, but the book limits you so you got to play the rules and interpret them the best you can with with, uh, with what you got so no for sure no I just I was I was watching uh, at the, especially Atlanta with this the overhead view that it sort of shoots down up on the start line and you just saw how small some of the other cars look compared to those uh, the big Mustangs or even the Corvette mm -hmm. of you know Taylor and and Matt Field there that it looks like they are a lot bigger of a vehicle than some of these other ones, but I don't know. That's the joy of it. And that's the beautiful part about drifting is that everyone can drive just about anything and it's uh free wide open motor setups and just bring what you uh, got on the trailer and drive as hard as you can. Yeah. Um, so any, anybody you want to shout out, you got some, obviously some partners on board, uh, give them a little shout out and sort of where we can follow you on your social media and stuff. Yeah, got a shout out H2 Engineering and Shift Hawthorne and my crew. They're stepped it up, you know, 10 times this in the off season. Looking back last year to this year, like the crew's just dialed. We They sacrifice Friday evenings and we come down here and prep the car, prep the trailer, whatever, go over five minute timeouts. Um, it's my team is just they're growing and at a fast rate showing that we can go to the next level so that's exciting you got to have good backing so um you know the separation is in the preparation and so my dad has always told me and we're trying to get there so 
got to keep dialing it in. Exactly. No, well, we really look forward to seeing you here next week. Um, and yeah, safe, safe travels up here. I think it'll be a good time. And we're just hoping for dry weather. That's the best. We like dry yeah. weather. Um, number one, the track is way better when it's uh, lots of tire smoke and noise. Doesn't it rain in Canada? It rains. No, once in a while, but you know, we love, we love the dry. We'll take right. it. We take the it. The dry or the wet. I'm ready. Let's go. Oh yeah. Let's do it. Well, see, there you go. Yeah. So all these guys from the evergreen area, they live half the year in the wet anyway, so it should be decent. Yeah. It's cheap. <laughs> cheaper to drive. Exactly. Oh, hey, well, yeah. it's cheap. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you uh, being on here and hopefully we'll catch up with you next week. Um, and I'll let you sort of tune out and then Tony, I'll wrap it up. Thanks. Sweet. Thanks for having me. See you guys soon. Yeah. Right on. Well, Awesome to hear from Jace there. Uh, we, we did it twice to me here with the two LS guests in a row, but uh, you know it's uh, it's interesting too that uh, you know where Shelby last week uh, more keen obviously go Corvette or just keep going with the 350Z that uh, Jace left the that Jace out. You know it was Corvette or E46. Maybe that's just uh, the way it works in the states there, but uh, found that a little interesting. Yeah, we're probably like the. E46 chassis is, you know, if you look at pro spec, it's basically that's all that is, is a bunch of, you know, E46. I think just the, the cost of it getting into it, availability of spare parts. And then, you know, if you're going into a, a series like pro spec and you have a ton of people already running the same chassis, I think it just alleviates some of the spares package that you actually need to have in it. Um, one thing that Jace kept talking about, which was interesting, which I haven't really seen many of our guys do is practicing the five minute calls changing stuff in that um there's an inter interesting video if you watch uh about young uh drift jesus on uh, youtube they were at their first round of prospect didn't qualify with their corvette but he spent the entire competition day getting his team to just do five minutes whether it was changing you know front right left rear whatever it was timing them finding out exactly what they had what they needed and the best way to do it um here we got a question here on this the mountain pass media it is a little bit different layout but on the same section of the track that we're running at mission so it's going to be we're starting uh back and adding basically two more turns into that so if you think of uh of long beach you're going to be entering at high speed and then drifting up against the uh the walls and hit that little ping pong section that we got going on in there and i think that's going to be a a good a good layout for this year exciting for the fans and i don't know missions looking forward to it we talked with the uh track management there this last week and they are stoked for us to be back bigger and better than last year so can't wait to announce a few more you know things that we got planned for that event yeah uh, you want? i was gonna say for if i remember my track notes correctly I think we're going to be using turns four or five, cross the drag strips into turns one and two of the road course direction. I don't know. I, I think that's club. I honestly haven't memorized the uh, the things on it. It's the big like uh, Long do. Beach, Long <laughs> Beach entry. I know the I know the turns for our, for our local tracks, but there I just haven't memorized them yet. Uh, we will be releasing the layout though soon on it. Um, I think it's going to be uh, a challenge anyway and i think that's important for the drivers to be able to challenge themselves and and learn those long transitions i think that makes it good um yeah i think 
we're just stoked to be back out to uh, Stratotech. This is the first competition we've had out there in years. And uh, to bring a full competitive round out there is something we're really looking forward to. So definitely, if you're watching this, listening to it, uh, head out. And if you're listening to this, get all your friends to come out and support the local, the local drift scene. You know, these guys put everything they have into, into this. You know, you look at uh, Jason Carlton driving up from uh, the Pacific Northwest, you know, putting 17 hours in one way to come and compete with us. And, you know, if you're into motorsports at all, it's definitely uh, one of the greatest things that you'll see is, is these guys running head-to-head in competition. We've done only a little bit of, uh, you know, everything that we've done out at Stratotech lately is just uh, it's grassroots for the last uh, three years. So when you look at us bringing the competition format back, it's going to change how you maybe see driving, how you see drifting out of the track because, man, um, you know, the first couple of runs of the day, it always inspires uh, me to just host these events and to make them bigger and better because these guys are absolutely killing it out there and pushing these cars to the limit. Um, What are you most looking forward to about round one? So I think I've, you know, I've talked about this previously on the podcast too. Um, Like you said, we've only seen grassroots days out there. We've had three straddle bashes now. So we've had, you know, our local guys have had probably, let's say, 100, maybe touching 200 laps of the track, uh, including the the majority of the layout that we're going to be seeing uh, for our round one competition. So I'm really expecting a big push from our local guys to come do it. Um, you know, added bonus, you know, there has never been a round of spec D where I've wanted to just, you know, compete in fully. This is the one where I was like, <laughs> man, if there's ever going to be one, I'd love to do this one. Um, just love the track. Uh, you know, I've driven it quite a bit myself too. Of course, done all three straddle bashes have like, just clicked over 3,000 virtual kilometers now on the sim, so love the track. Uh, and I was going to ask you a quick, ner- quick, fast uh, nerd question because uh, you mentioned, you know, you know the turns of the local tracks. How many turns are at Stratotech? Uh, nine, I believe, right? How many, to, how many to the right and how many to the left? Oh, I don't know that. Seven and three. Seven <laughs> and three, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The crafty on the other <laughs> There's way more left hand. Way more left hand than there is right hand. So there you That's go. That's right. Yeah, he only turned right for three of them. So that was that yeah. was my joke. And previously announcing NASCAR for five years, I was really excited to get to announce three right turns a lap. So that was a big treat there for That's the right. uh, opening. And only <laughs> and and realistically, there's only like uh, yeah, there's just really one good uh, right hand turn in that whole thing, and that's the carousel that we're going to be drifting on. Yep. Um, we have the know, best well, right hand turn. There, there you go. <laughs> exactly. A little bit just about, we got some new people coming up. Um, you know, if, if you look into the uh, the pro schedule of who we have there, we got Brandon Kremp going to be jumping in. And Francois Dugay, he's going to be driving as well. So both those Fort McMurray guys are going to be coming down and driving with us. Uh, happy to see Ophir back. If you watch some of his release of his new car, his new, uh, Man, his new car. That's right. It should look uh, good. It'll be flashy out on the track. We're looking forward to seeing that thing, you know, up close and personal and uh, seeing how it, how it performs. He was always a really good driver with us. And then, you know, we missed him here last year. So it'll be nice to see him back. Uh, we got break uh, Jake Predenchuk coming out of Saskatchewan. He's uh, basically teamed up with Odd Mad Performance and Jesse Joe Curtis. 
So I think that's going to be a good team coming up from there. Um, I don't know. I'm excited to see Benjamin's new car. I'm not 100% sure whether he's going to be ready here for round one. Uh, if you're just following, I don't know if his socials are all live and up to date. But if it is, it, he's got a lot of work yet to get it done. Um, I think just hitting that real struggle of getting parts here on time is, is helping back. But interesting to see that car with a big V8 in it. I know Tony's favorite motor going into it. Um, yep. Adam Benson, you know, new motor in his car seems to be going well. I think they had it on the dyno, running well on that. Uh, just going through the driver's list here off this side. Uh, one, we're still waiting on. We're waiting on Ryan Drutz and Pat Fontaine to uh, jump in and uh, sign up. I it's a, it's a long haul from Sherrod Park. You know, it's about, uh, I think, 14 minutes, 15 if traffic's really bad. So they have a pretty big commute to consider there. But uh, I hope our boys can, uh, you know, make it happen. Hope, well, uh... I mean, <laughs> if you're jumping onto any of the social media, make sure that you give uh, Ryan Dreth a little bit of encouragement. Give him a thumbs up and some encouragement there. He's just had a little bit of engine issue. I think just some uh, thrust bearing problems like that. So try to sort that out so that, you know, he can... Uh, come and shred because he is an absolute ripper on the Stratotech uh, track. And I think that's definitely one that we'll, we'll miss. Well, hang on here. Oh, oh. Francois. Justin Dubin coming in with the pronunciation help. Sure. Well, we just call him Francois. He's going to kill it out there. Uh, part of the Drift Easy Corp. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> and hey, last, last but not least, hey, New steering wheels back in stock. Check this out. I like that. Get a good view on well, that. Well, similar color to the one in my car. That's and right. Not done. Well, we got, <laughs> got lots of new colors up. So just head over to, to the specd.ca. You can find all that interesting stuff on there. ton of wheels. I think we have 14 different styles now. And we're only bringing in one or two of each, each style. Some of the uh, one-off colors, I'm only just bringing in one. So... Once it's snagged, that'll be the last uh, one that goes out with that. So you'll have a one-of-a-kind going in there. Uh, help support the series. Uh, supports our partners. Grip Royal has been a big help to us in sort of getting uh, a collab going on that. So we're really stoked to have them on board. And, yeah, great things coming. Uh, I'm just excited for round one. That's going to be the, the highlight. If you want to get a little bit of a sneak peek on that, head out to Rad Torque tomorrow. Tomorrow night, gates open at 5 o'clock. Uh, bring a helmet. You can go for a ride-along. If I got my car out there, I'll take anybody for a ride-along. If I, you know, as long as everything's running well, down to take everybody for rides. Um, but, yeah, I know it's a really good time out there as well. So, uh, so June 1st out of Red Torque, June 10th out of Stratotech Raceway. It's going to be amazing. Right on, right on. Do we have a guest plan for next week for the – Oh, man, a whole winters of podcasts and interviews. We're almost time for round one. Are we going to do a big round one preview show? I think we're going to have to do a big uh, round one preview show. I'm not sure necessarily all who, who, point. who I've got on. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to get anybody that's driving from far away, but there there's uh, a bunch of people that, that uh, I'd like to definitely get on. Um, might just be a, a sort of a, a pregame show. We'll try to do that. And, yeah. uh, you know, the week after, we'll try to get the winner on and chat with them, sort of see. I mean, there's a lot of hype and uh, expectation of the track and how it's going to be. And just from watching everyone driving it, there's been a lot of uh, Seto Corsa action 
people practicing on that. So, you know, I'm expecting one of the best uh, season openers that we've had. Yeah, no, I think this is going to be a big round one. Uh, we've said it a lot of times on the podcast, whatever we call this. Um, and yeah, no, just super, super excited to start answering some of these big questions in uh, round one, man. And it's uh, it's going to be very interesting, you know, sight on scene for some drivers. This track, it's a very, very comfortable track for a lot of our local drivers, like we discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see what kind of driving we get from it, man. And I think it's... It's going to be unhinged, you know. I think um, it's going to be the second biggest event at Stratotech this year. I think it's. I think that's probably fair to say. Uh, yeah. Stratobash obviously will take the cake. It's just madness, and you need to experience that too. But no, you uh, need to experience round one at uh, June uh, 10th. So if you are local to the Edmonton area, even if it is an hour or two drive, and you want to meet the glorious hosts of this podcast, you know, come through, do that, and we'll actually probably have some drifting on the side too. Uh, that we could show you, and that would be pretty cool. I think it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, no, 100%. We should have all of our new merch out as well, a bunch of new colors coming out with the lineup. So we always have a big merch set up there. So you can always, you know, grab all your spec D swag. Drivers have a great setup all the time too. Pits are open to everybody, a family-friendly event. I mean, uh, we got food trucks there, poutine, ice cream, pizza. Everybody's going to be out there. All the health um, so, groups. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> It's going to be amazing. No, it, it, it's a great community, and this is really just a great showcase of it. Uh, schedule is going to be posted up on our Instagram here later today for all the fans. And, yeah, like we got a nice uh, autograph session going as well. So I think it's going to be best ever. Until then, we'll uh, catch you next week, Tony. Yeah, later, Sean. See you later, uh, Specty Nation, Specty People listeners. Who knows? Exactly. But uh, right. we'll see you back soon. All right, good night.